0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Brie, and I am so excited for today's episode. I am joined by, for the first time, author Jen Bogle is here. Jennifer Bogle is here. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me to join you. I'm happy to be here.
0: (laughs) And returning is one of our listener faves, author Anna J. Stewart. Welcome back, Anna.
2: Thank
1: you. Always happy
0: to be here. <laughs> um, both of y'all. We'll start with you, Jennifer. Yes. How has 2023
1: been? So the fir- um, personally, the first half of 2023 was amazing. Um, I was telling Anna that my husband retired. He um, he was an FBI agent. Worked with was an agent for 30 years retired on, um, December 31st, 2022. We went to Florida for a few weeks. We went to, um, Great Britain for a few weeks. I, uh, wrote actually one of my favorite books that just came out. Um, I wrote that at the beginning of the year. And then the second half of the year, my husband, who is, like I said, retired was, um, Volunteers for Habitat for Humanity, and he left the um, work site and wrecked his motorcycle, and um, that was the end of May. And then, like June, July, and a lot of August was all about getting him back to physical health. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I'm, I'm hoping it'll end on a high note.
0: <laughs> okay, we're gonna make this happen. It's gonna end on a high note. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah. so it's on a <laughs> high note. So, um, but yeah, you know, work is always good and, um, I'm happy to be writing romantic suspense for Harlequin and, um, yeah, so, so mostly positive, but the, the motorcycle accident definitely changed, yeah, changed the, uh, the trajectory of the year. We'll just put it that way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Well, I, I'm glad that he's, he's okay. Definitely. Yeah, thank you. Anna, how has 2023 been for you?
2: Not too bad. Um it's it's been a you know since covid hit, um a lot of my life has been roller coaster up and down. My mom's had a lot of uh, health issues and heart issues primarily. Thank God neither one of us has had covid yet. So I think we've dodged a bullet there, hopefully at least for now. Um but it's just uh learning how to write when you, Because usually I'm like one of those people, like the very smallest thing is going to throw me off for the entire day. It's a great excuse and a procrastination excuse. But uh, I've gotten to the point now where that isn't possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I have to learn how to work with the unexpected popping up you know, unexpected doctor's appointments or, uh, you know, something that comes up where I just can't get to the computer at the time I normally would. So um, it's been a bit of a learning curve this year, but I think I think I'm finally finding my footing, which is good. Uh, and I hope I don't need to have that footing for next year. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively pleased with how this year has gone definitely better than the last couple.
0: Well, what are you both working on? So, Jen, what what do you he have? Has. What are you cooking up?
1: What am I cooking up? So I just turned in a book for um, the Coltons of Owl Creek, which Ah. if you're not familiar with the Coltons books, there is, um, they call it a continuity. They release one a month for an entire year. Um, And each author writes a different book. And everybody is somehow related to one another. There, um, and then there is an overarching, um, an overarching villain and crime that is being like slowly unraveled and investigated. But then you have a new love interest in each book. And um, I just turned that one in, which I loved writing. I always love doing continuities. Um, I like working with the other authors. And then I am writing, um, a Texas law miniseries. I did three books that came out over the past two years. Um, and then I started, I'm working currently on the first book and the second miniseries that just continues that story. And, um, it's all centered around a serial killer who is, um, A descendant of Jack the Ripper and is determined to make himself the most famous serial killer of all time. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Makes that (laughs) an auto eye. eye. Thanks, (laughs) Jen. And then it's in, um, like, and I always love, like, rural um, settings. So it's in, like, rural Texas and, you know, and I have a great cast of characters. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on.
0: Oh my gosh! Well, I live in Texas, so give me I'll all the you. rural <laughs> serial killers in Texas. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I'm. I will have to come. I um. Part of the I, I made up my my little small towns. They're kind of in Texas Hill Country, mm-hmm. and then but part of it's set in San Antonio. That's where I am, so, <laughs> which I've never visited. You know, I'm like my Google research. I've never visited. But what a you're so lucky! What a charming city it looks like. Yeah. Serial killers aside, but what a charming city. Oh,
0: give me all the fictional serial killers here. It's, yeah. it's fine. I need the escape. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, anyways, yeah. Awesome. So, how funny. Good.
0: <laughs> Anna, what about you? What are you cooking up?
1: Um. So, let's
2: see. I just had. Uh, two books come out last month. I love it when I get a heartwarming and a romantic suspense out in the same month because it, it well, it cuts down on my promo time. And also <laughs> it's like, hey, look at both sides of my personality on display at one time. Uh, so my uh, seventh book in the Honor Bound series for romantic suspense, which is, the, oh my God, which one is it? A Detect, nope, Deadly Vegas Escapade. And I called this one My Hangover Meets the born Identity. Ooh, it's just, It was just yes. so much. Yeah. And I typically I hate the amnesia tropes. But um, this is the second one I've written. And I actually blame the Coltons for actually turning me around on the on the whole amnesia oh, trope. Because my yeah. first Colton book, I, I was given an amnesia trope to write. And so I got to use it again with this one. So, and then the eighth and the final book in the Honor Bound series will be out in December and that's uh, Detectives Deadly Secrets. And it wraps up the eight book series and brings back all of the characters. It was the most fun I had writing an epilogue because I got to bring everybody back and it's an update on everybody. But before you get to that point, um, it's Eamon's story, who's pretty much been in the, in the background since book three he's an fbi agent and it was his sister who kind of got the whole uh, his sister's murder who got the whole series start in the beginning so when he popped up in book three i'm like oh yeah he's gonna go last he's gonna close out the series so i gave him a, a really interesting heroine she's uh newly sober uh she's kind of walking a tightrope of uh uh You know, dealing with addiction and destroying her career as a police officer and trying to find out what really happened to her husband who was killed. So it kind of got a kitchen sink book feel to it, but it was so much fun to write because I got to bring everybody back Mm -hmm. um, and wrap up the happily ever after. And it actually will also launch a hero for my new series, which will start next year, which is the McKenna Code. And that one I called,
0: yeah. yeah,
2: I call that Blue Bloods meets FBI Um, because okay. I love, it has the family feel of Blue Bloods, like the mother, the matriarch is... A police commissioner and uh she has a mandatory monthly dinner with everybody so wherever they are they have to find a way to get back for monthly dinner otherwise it's hell to pay um but then of course they're all in different branches of law enforcement so that'll just be four books but it gives me the opportunity to bring in the honor-bound characters here and there too so um that's for romantic suspense and then with heartwarming like i said i had my th- second book in the Hawaii series come out which is their surprise island wedding
0: that series is just amazing so far oh thank you (laughs)
2: yeah book book three the cover for book three I am just so over the moon about because it just looks so much fun and that one is out in March I think um and this is one of the fun bits about having a really awesome editor who understands when you're going totally off the rails. Cause I was trying to write book four and it was not coming together. I like wrote the first 50 pages, like six times, nothing was working. And, um, finally my editor says, I don't need this till January. Why don't you work on something else and just put this aside
1: nice the most polite way of saying
2: just take a break from this okay it's exactly what yeah it's exact she goes okay calm down you've got other books you have to write for me so let's try something else (laughs) and so now I'm currently writing the next Blackwell book which will be out next September and I am having so much fun with it and I think it's because I'm not supposed to be writing it (laughs)
0: <laughs> you mm. know, it
2: wasn't next on the schedule. I mean, it was supposed to be, but, um, and then I kind of missed the deadline for it. I thought I had an extra month. This is how 2023 has gone. Or <laughs> I always think I have more time than I do. And I'm like, oh, I don't have to worry. It's not due till this second. And then I turned the page on my calendar on November 1st and it said, oh, Blackwell is due today.
0: Oh and I my went, gosh. <laughs>
2: I'm like, "Um, I'm I'm just kind of like, I'm not going to make it because, you know, really haven't started it yet. But, oh, my God, I love my editor so much. And I emailed her and I said, "Uh, so small problem. (laughs) And she says, you know what? And I took such comfort in this. She says, since COVID, she has had such a hard time keeping track of days. She says she seems to lose days and that's exactly what it felt like I had done. So she said, you know, and I, I, fortunately I can write really fast if it's going well. Like I could write a book in a month. It's, it's not that hard cause I'm very lucky. I I'm not married. I don't have kids. I just have my mom to worry about. And as long as she stays, you know, relatively happy and healthy, I can write Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm currently writing now and I'm having the best time. I think this might be my favorite Blackwell book that I've written. And for those who haven't heard of the Blackwells, it's, um, a continuity series I write with Melinda Curtis, Amy Vestine, Carol Ross, and Carolyn Webb, and they're Westerns and they take, uh, different branches of the Blackwell family that we created. And this one's called the Blackwell Bells and it's five sisters who grew up as a trick writing performing group and oh at gosh. one point oh. they they splintered uh there was a big blow up in the family and the whole group busted up and now it's kind of the mom is struggling to bring all the kids back because she's being inducted into the Cowgirl Hall of Fame and she wants the girls to perform and none of the girls are talking to her so it's a reconciliation tour kind of thing that she's going around to each of the sisters oh that is gonna be so fun
0: yeah yeah
2: so we've got big e coming back in his rv and they're driving around the country trying to reconcile with all the girls and bring the family back together we've got returning characters from the other series so and this one i'm just having the best time writing it and i think it's showing on the page so and again i think it's because i'm really not supposed to be writing it even (laughs) though it was such a rule breaker anna (laughs) I didn't used to be, you know, I used to be, okay, these are my deadlines. I'm going to meet them. It's my job. I have to do that. Yeah. And then, you know what, reality hits and everything goes off the rails, you know, and then, and then to top all that off, I'm, I'm releasing my second single title, Romantic Suspense in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, oh, promo, I need to get going on that. Yeah. You know, this is a crazy business. It is just a crazy business, but it's also the best business. So.
0: Well, I do kind of want to touch on the promo, so I'll pin that and I'll try to remember it later. Um, but let's start here. So as I shared, we were chatting before we hit record. Um, I've been getting a lot of messages about people that are interested in learning what category is. And I have not done the best about like being active online since I went back to work, but I do know from people I follow and and just chatting with friends, a lot of romance girlies are in their romantic suspense era. Like they have discovered their love of romantic suspense. And I just thought, okay, like I, I messaged you, Anna, and I was like, we need to do this thing. And thank you, Jennifer, for jumping on board. Oh, like I wanted to start absolutely. this, like co- this category conversation of like, what is it for people that haven't read it before? Um, I wanted to start with romantic suspense. Um, so you like let's start with like category in general. Like Sarah and I have chatted about doing some things, but I'm happy that you two are here. Because I know Sarah loves romantic suspense. But mm-hmm. how do you for anybody that hasn't read it, category, explain
1: it to them? Um, so now we're very quiet. We had lots to say a second <laughs> ago, and now we're very quiet. <laughs> so Category is um the the way I sort of think about it is it's in in general not not necessarily just with Harlequin but in general it's stories and a subgenre of romance. So category could be contemporary. A category could be historical. A category could be romantic suspense. A category could be um, inspirational romance, and um, so that's kind of how I think about it. Or or when when I first started writing romance and people would say, you know, category, I like that's how how I came to understand it. And then Harlequin has just, you know, done a very good job of, of bringing writers who write the same in the same subgenre together. And and marketing those books and releasing like with Romantic Suspense, we release four books a month. I think Heartwarming <gasps> releases six books a month. Mm, but four. Anna can tell you. Oh, four also. Yeah, it's four. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Or like medical romance as a category. So I don't know. Now you can expand on that, Anna, and tell them what I got <laughs> wrong, right and what I got <laughs> wrong. I like, oh. You didn't get
2: any you didn't get anything wrong. I absolutely oh. love that. I don't think I could have described it as succinctly. The only thing I would add to it is that I think category romances tend to be very trope heavy, meaning that, um, there's a shorthand, or like a code to what kind of story it is like, and I don't know why this always pops into my head, but Marriage of Convenience, I've never written a Marriage of Convenience. I don't even really like the trope personally, Mm -hmm. but it tells you exactly what kind of story that you're getting. And I think with category romance, uh, Harlequin in particular is very particular about um Letting you know through the title, the back blurb, and the cover exactly what you're getting. And they do that by highlighting the tropes and the type of story it is this. You know, secret baby, or like I said, marriage of convenience, or friends to lovers, or enemies to lovers, anything. And tropes actually are very helpful for writers because it helps you keep on track with the goal, motivation, and conflict and actually writing the story. But what, for me, I think when I'm thinking category, I'm thinking it's a very Trump boy, that was Freudian, a very trope, um, forward, uh, type of romance. And they're also shorter category romance tends to be 70 word, 70,000. I wish it was 70 words. Hello. (laughs) That would be be so much easier. Um, it's usually 70,000 words or shorter. So, um, I don't think there's any of Harlequin's categories that are above 70,000 words. And a lot of times that's for shelf space, you know, for those of us lucky to be out in print and in actual stores, which is quickly dwindling. Um, uh, It's it's for me, category is trope heavy, shorter word count and uh, faster reads they're not as involved as say like what I write for a single title where I have, you know, my editor gives me control over what my word count is, you know, write it till the story's done. You can't do that with a category romance because it has to fit into a certain expected word count, which helps the reader decide how long is this going to take me to read kind of thing. So it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's shortcut reading, but it's um, yeah, it's just, it's just shorter and, uh, more easily expected, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah.
0: I always tell people it's like, it's straight shot, no chaser, like no fluff. <laughs> you yes. don't eat all the
2: fluff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you don't, you don't have the word count to play with, right? So, yeah. and yeah. yeah, and and it, um, yeah, I, I think Jen nailed it on the head is that the, the category that you're reading is... Harlequin did a really good job of flipping that where they made category kind of an added definition where it's not only just the category of the genre that you're writing, but it's an actual type of romance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Something that you touched on, Anna, was the the imprint. And Mm -hmm. I shared with you too, like, I know that people are asking questions and people are getting interested in like, what is this? But you know, and I'm a I'm a Harlequin.com purchaser. And mm-hmm. for everything else that I don't order online, I do go to the Walmart and I pick them up there. Perfect but I am seeing less I am seeing less and less. <laughs> Yo, no, definitely I am a and I will send emails <laughs> if things <laughs> don't look how they're supposed to be. I'm I'm that person. Um, but I'm seeing less and less. And so yeah. how if people are interested in and they're not seeing it because I don't think it really people don't really think about going onto the website, right? It's either you see it in the store right. or you go on Amazon, but you don't think of going to like harlequin.com. How do we how how do we compete with everything that's going on? How do we get people to get the books if they're not seeing them? Does that make sense?
2: It does make sense, and I, I, I honestly I wish to God I had an answer. Um, part of the problem is that it's not up to Harlequin to get it into Walmart. It's up to Walmart to ask for it.
0: To Ask for it. It's yeah. up.
2: To, it's up to stores to ask for it, and unless they know to ask for it, you know, when I, I used to work in a bookstore. Once upon a time, I worked for Walden Books. Anybody out there older oh, than me, yeah. like Let like I am?
1: Those. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Walden books with its preferred reader card, which still gives me nightmares when I think about it, but, um, (laughs) but, um, you know, we, at the time people would come in and if we didn't have it in stock, we would special order it. And sometimes most of the time we would order more than one and we would put it on, on the shelf because if one person's looking for it, chances are somebody else is looking for it too. So, I'm a big believer in if you want print books, go in and order it at your at your local Barnes and Noble if they're there. You can't do that with Walmart because that isn't how they operate. You can't do that with Target. I will say they are selling print books online at Walmart and Target, but uh, Walmart apparently has recently decided that they're cutting their uh, shelf space for uh, paperbacks, which just guts me because that's like that was always the dream, right. Is you want to see your books. And I've been lucky with romantic suspense is so far we've still been in print in stores. Mm -hmm. Um, but where stores used to carry six to 10 copies of every title, you're lucky now if they carry two copies of every title. Um, so, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's on our part. I think also, um, I'm still a print book buyer. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't, if I'm reading on my Kindle, it's probably something I've already read and it's a keepsake book. So I haven't been able to make the transition for new books on Kindle. Um, So I think it, 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 I think we're kind of caught in a, in a, a whirlwind right now where people are buying so much digital and then Harlequin, if you're buying directly from Harlequin, they have their own reading app or something gloss or whatever it is, which which I don't use. And it's very glitchy. And when it isn't easy to use, I think it can cause some problems, which sends people to other uh, places to look for the books. So that's a really long way of saying, I don't think I have an answer to that unless we're just more proactive. The authors, I mean, uh, being sure where to tell people to find our books.
0: Yeah. I, um, The Walmart that I go to that's closest to me, the book section now fills mostly romance now, and it is trade paperback, illustrated covers, and I've noticed that my Harlequin section is shrinking. Mm -hmm. I don't even get the two heartwarmings I used to get. For maybe like two months, I was getting historicals. They're not there anymore. I think I see oh. one intrigue, maybe one romantic suspense, maybe one love inspired suspense, maybe two special edition titles and maybe three presents. Mm-hmm. And I'm like there used to be way more than this, you know mm-hmm. And I just I'm like, well, I understand afterglow being their response to what I'm seeing because it it looks like it's going to fit in with everything else. But I'm like, how do mm. my categories, which are now on the bottom shelf and there's fewer and fewer in a world where romance, it just feels like is like shifting to something. How does that how do how do you how do I scream from the rooftops of people like, hey, I know you're into this and we have this here, too. It may not look like this, but it's here. And I guess I think as of you as authors, like, how do you say that, too?
2: Jen, you got any ideas?
1: Oh, I know we got quiet again, <laughs> didn't we? Um, so I think well, like this podcast. Like obviously, that's a great way to let people know what's out there, and um, you know the nice thing with Afterglow and um, those trade paperbacks with the illustrated covers. Um, I do have kids, and I have um, three three daughters. And they're two 20-somethings and one 19-year-old. So they're all young adults. And um, all three of them read romance and they read those those trade paperbacks with the, you know, like I I get everybody a book for Christmas. And that's what I went and found for them. And so, you know, if we're gonna survive as a um as an industry, we need. We need to to bring new readers in all the time, and we need to bring in those readers who are are new. Now, I think we can't forget about people who, you know, don't write, you know, the twenty something, you know, meet cute. Although my my daughters love them, and I think they're adorable books, and um, and some of them are, or they're 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 all fabulous. Um but I'm happy to see them reading romance. Mm -hmm. And if I tried to, and one thing I actually like to do in my books is I want to have like older heroes and heroines. Mm I am, um, um, I guess of a certain age, although I just told you, I have like, you know, 20, 20 something kids. So obviously I'm of a certain age. So I don't necessarily want personally to read about, you know, yet another 25 year old, if I want, you know, in fact, when sometimes when I write about them, I'm I will listen to my daughters talk about like, you know, dates and who they went out with and what's going on on the app or whatever. But um, if, if I get to I, I like to write characters who are in their 40s or sometimes even in their 50s, because, you know, that's still still something out, you know. With oh, yeah. Them. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. So I want those readers to keep reading romances, people who started reading romances when they were, you know, in, the, in their 20s and maybe it was the 80s or the 90s. And, and, they, um, and maybe they lost interest because that age category wasn't there for them. Mm-hmm. But um, so, I mean, we can't forget about our readers who aren't 20-somethings for sure. And we need to make sure that people know that those books are still out there. But if the appetite of a younger reader is for something that like in the 90s, we called Chiclet, remember that? Mm. Those were fun books. But um, if it's something a little, you know, more like the quote, the quotient effect. Is that the name of the book? One of my daughters read it and she was like, I haven't started it yet, but they're like, this is the best book ever. And, um, kiss quotient. That's what it is. is. Um, but yeah, one of my daughters read that. She's like, this is the best book ever, mom, you have to read it. And I've heard it from other people. I just haven't started it yet. But, um, you know, if those are the kind of books that are going to get them to read romance They'll start, re- you know, they'll start reading the category romance. They'll be like, oh, I like a little, a little entry. Intrig- I, I want a serial killer in my book. You know, so <laughs> yeah, one can only hope. And suspense, they'll be like, um, you know, doctors and nurses and, and, you know, EMTs and firefighters are sexy. Let's go read a medical romance. And so, you know, you, the, the, the more people we get involved in the, in the industry the more the healthier the industry is and you know we just have to make sure that we do keep keep track of you know it's it's not just the new shiny thing Mm -hmm. right like the it's the industry has been built on these categories and we can't forget about them exactly yeah you hear so many
0: authors you hear so many authors all over that are like Oh, I grew up reading category, you know, and it's like, well, it's still here, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think adding on that, I, I think Jen makes the absolute great point: is everybody's, everybody's all, ooh, new, shiny, and yay, we got this new line that's hopefully going to attract these new readers. But I will forever be grateful that there were so many different. I read across the category genre when I discovered romance. Silhouette Intimate Moments, which became Romantic Suspense, was my favorite line, but I read Desires. I read, I mean, Lindsay McKenna and Diana Palmer's early Desires. I was reading those when they first came out. And you had um, Nora Roberts when she wrote for Silhouette Special Edition. And, you know, you had the shadow series which came and went in the blink of an eye, but they were paranormal. So there's always been so much offered by category romance. And yet it always kind of seems to get pushed to the back when something new and shiny and pretty comes out. And um, it's kind of like there's one reason Harlequin has survived as long as it has is because it's it's steadfast in, for the most part, keeping those categories front and center. Right that's their bread and butter is to have fast turnover and have tons and tons and tons of books every year that can feed a reader's appetite like that. Um, We just need the readers who are willing to glom onto it. And, you know, um, I don't know if there is a, um, if there's a disconnect between, you know, when, when young women like are and men, because men read romance too Mm -hmm. uh, like uh, Jen's uh, daughter's ages if they hear Harlequin, now they wouldn't hear it this way because their mother writes for Harlequin. So they yeah. <laughs> wouldn't interpret it this way. But if they hear Harlequin, what do they think when they think Harlequin?
0: Yeah. And I
2: think over the years, Harlequin's tried really hard to start a new campaign to say, you know, they had that whole, not your grandmother's Harlequin ad. Um, and I think some people thought that was really clever. I thought it was really obnoxious personally, because- okay. Um, I was reading my grandmother's Harlequins, and if I wasn't reading my <laughs> grandmother's too. Harlequins, I wouldn't be writing for Harlequin now. So, um,
1: oh, Anna, I feel like you and I have a very—I bet you <laughs> have a very similar romance writer <laughs> origin story. Because my grandmother was, and she was a voracious reader, only read romances, all, didn't refer to them as a romance novel, only called them Harlequins. Right. I didn't know until I was like in college that, that there were other publishers of romance that oh, weren't wow. them, to be honest with you. And my yeah. grandma read this book and she put, and she was twice widowed, put it on, like pressed it to her chest. And she's like, if I could find, you know, she's 70 mm-hmm. some odd years old. If I could find a man like that, I would get married again, hands it to me. And she says, read it. Read it. Yeah. And it was, yeah. a it was a medical romance and, it definitely wasn't like, it was the spiciest thing I had ever read at like 12 or 13, but it's, you know, it's nothing compared to what's out there. And it was a doctor, hero, nurse, heroine. And, um, and I got done reading that book and I'm like, this is what I want. And it's not necessarily to like, you know, go cop a feel in the hallway, you know, no. uh, stairwell of a hospital. I mean, I guess it depends on what the doctor's like, but, but <laughs> I was like, I want to write these books. Yeah, this right. is a kind of book I want to write. I want to write books that when people put them down, they're like, "Oh, like I believe in love. There's hope in the world. Things are beautiful." So, yeah,
0: that put it to your chest moment, like your grandma okay, had. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and there's reason I wasn't like, "I need a man like this." I'm like, "I need a career like this." <laughs> career like this, yeah, exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. So, I mean,
2: I think, I think. Um, category romance kind of gets pigeonholed and dismissed as as if it, Oh, this is the other thing that I meant to say. There is no formula to writing a category romance. If there was a formula, everybody would be published in it who wanted to be it's beyond. I mean, yes, there's, you know, sure. Boy meets girl, stuff happens there should be conflict please god there should be conflict in the story because it drives me there's a whole twitter thing going on about that right now um or whatever you call twitter these days oh, yeah. um yes. but it's it's um i completely forgot what i was i am so in my 50s you can totally tell because <laughs> no you're talking about conflict just... it's okay conflict. I got thank you. you so it's it's there is no formula to writing a good romance it's it's about voice and story and characters who respect one another and who want the best for one another. But how you tell the story is completely up to you. Um, And people who think that, oh, I can just knock off, I can write a Harlequin in a couple of weeks, no problem. Yeah, I dare anybody who actually says that to sit down and try to do it and submit it and get it published. Now, granted, we're living in the age of you can go ahead and publish whatever you want, because self-publishing is that kind of thing. But if if you want to succeed in category there is an expectation of um competence
1: (laughs) for one of a better term
2: and um it's not a formula i don't sit down with a formula that says okay by this page this has to happen by this page this has to happen it comes naturally i think after you've written a couple of them you know what the beats are you know what part of the story you have to hit at a certain time that's not a formula that's habit and that's just how story goes. Yeah. So um, I think when people are referring to romance, a lot of times what people are hearing is or category romance. People are hearing, oh, that's just the formula where they churn out the books. You know, they must they must be really easy to write because they're churning out so many of them. No, they're churning out oh, so many yeah. of them because so many authors are really good at, at doing story it. Story. Yeah. And a, yeah. Um I'm looking at uh or I was noticing uh Taylor T- Tara Taylor Quinn this year has a book coming out every month. Yeah. For 2023 she had a book out every month. And number one Isn't is not she's crazy. She, That's crazy. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. But yeah. it's because she's really good at what she does. It's a she skill. Down, it's a skill. Know, it is a skill and the more you use it the easier and and the and the not easier it necessarily becomes because every book has its own challenges but um it's 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 a muscle that you exercise and the more you exercise in a way the kind of the easier it is so i think when people hear category they shortcut it to oh these must be lesser than where in actuality writers have to write more succinctly they have a fewer word count to get the story across it has to be more impactful. You have to draw the author in. It has so many different things you have to do with a category romance that you don't have as much space with to do with a single title. Yeah. And single title meaning 100,000 words or more, which is what single title tends to be.
0: My favorite thing is like, uh, I try to tell people usually, whether there's like a prologue or a, ch- for, you know, first chapter, you're getting so much. And when I End up reading a single title, I'm like, oh my god, it's four chapters in, and I don't really know what's going on. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like I just love that you you know what's going on right off the bat. Okay, now here's the story. Um, and and we talked a little bit about tropes. I think I see a lot of. I'll see sometimes on Twitter, it's like the the put out there message of like this is the trope that you're going to get. Some people aren't necessarily fans of. But mm-hmm. I'm like, we're, if you're reading romance, you're reading trope heavy books. We're yeah. just being honest about what you're going to get so you can make the decision yeah. of if that's what you want to read or not. So do you right. think that that is maybe something that um, I, I think personally should be or could be a draw to category? But do you think laying it all on the line is maybe too much for some people?
1: Um, You know what? I mean, there's, you know, there's all types of readers, like there's all types of writers and there's all types of books. And, um, you know, the one thing that always sort of bugs me with just in general with romance is everybody's like, well, you know how the book's gonna end, right? The, the, <laughs> the love interest, they're gonna get together and they're gonna live happily ever after. And, but like, if you pick up a mystery, you know how that's gonna You're end. You know that's gonna, gonna end, yeah. <laughs> <the thriller laughs> If you pick up a suspense, you know how that's going to end. You know the the CIA agent is going to stop before the bad guy blows up the world. Like you know how other other books are going to end. You know, don't give me because because romances um, has a happy ever after that it's you know it's less than. And mm-hmm. um, but your point's interesting. I'll have to think about it. I mean that that might be why some people. It doesn't connect with some people. I don't know. Yeah, could be. I think uh,
2: I'll. think we're in an era of everything just ticks everybody off and they <laughs> feel the need to complain <laughs> about it. So yeah, bad. this is very true. Honestly, our filters are gone. Yeah. I mean, they're gone. And I think social media hasn't helped that at all. Um, it used to be, you know, I was raised with the, if you can't see something nice, don't say anything at all. Well, if that was the case, we wouldn't have social media at all. Um, but I, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's a lot of ingredients that goes into the issue. I think, uh, perception is one of them. Romance gets kicked around so much. I think primarily because it is a women-driven industry. It is Mm -hmm. primarily written by women. It's primarily read by women. Uh, so it must be easily dismissed because, you know, those women, they don't, they don't think so good, you know, that's that's still a perception that we're dealing with. Uh, um, So
1: that's true also. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's such an inherent sexism about the misogyny and vitriol that comes out against romance. Um, And I'm like, you know what, you spend half your life. Most people spend half their lives looking for somebody to spend their life with. They're raising their kids either on their own and they end up merging families they um, find themselves in situations where they meet somebody who ends up coming into their lives and changing their lives and they move on together. That's all romance. 99% of the people on this planet live out a romance. So what the hell is the matter with reading about it? That's always been, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's so many movies that people love but the central story of it is actually a romance, but that isn't what they refer to when they're talking about the movie. So it, um, clearly this is a issue I have that I need to work through. I have to start up with therapy (laughs) again, but it's, um, it's, it's, I, I think there's a lot of ingredients going into the question that you're actually answering. And I, I think, Honestly, a lot of it has to do with education. And, you know, back in the day when Romance Writers of America was at its peak, we were really good about educating readers at large, not just romance readers about, hey, here we are. This is what we do. And I think we've lost that since um, RWA has gone through its issues lately. And um, it's become a lot easier to keep punching down on romance, even as romance is punching way up and earning a hell of a lot more than yes. any of the other genres. And that's yeah. that, That's the other thing I think that ticks the naysayers off is, um, is how much profit romance authors, yeah. romance publishers and authors can make. Yeah.
0: How do you two feel like the current, how romance feels right now as two writers of romantic suspense, how do you feel like it, like it's moment in the genre right now? Like what does it feel like for you two?
1: I, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I think that um you know and and one of the reasons probably why people pick on romance is you know it is the biggest it is the most profitable um fiction genre out there and um and I think if we weren't it would be probably just dismissed and and people wouldn't worry about it. so I mean I'm pretty pretty happy to be part of, um, you know, the, the word that comes to mind is juggernaut. And I'm not positive. That's the word I want to use, but, but like, you know, we're romance isn't going anywhere. Right. And, um, and you know, things, things will change. Something will come up. Like there was the, the 50 shades of gray era, you know, 10 years ago. And, if it's, you know, the the um, illustrated covers era right now, like, that's fine. And then some of the people who, you know, got started reading romance because of Fifty Shades of Grey, like, they might still like that, you know, really spicier kind of story, but they then became like romance readers. And if we get people in for this new, you know, newer thing that's, that's exciting and fun and we'll keep them, you know, or hopefully we keep them in, in the genre, reading the books. So
2: I, I think I feel pretty good about where romance is right now. I I'm very happy to see. um, I think the added attention that has finally been brought onto authors of color. Mm -hmm. and LGBTQ stories, the more inclusive romance has gotten in the last few years, I think has really been of huge benefit to the genre in general. Um, And it's made me even more proud to be a romance author. And I am always proud to be a romance. I've wanted to be a romance author since I was 13 years old and I picked up my first romance book. That was what I wanted to do. So for me, it's never been a matter of, oh, I write romance. No, it's like, I write romance. And I'm proud to say it. And I've been very proud of our genre in general over the last few years. um, In the the stories that are rising to the top and bringing more attention to the genre, there's been a lot more crossover and um, a lot more normalcy paid to the types of characters that are being written about in romance novels. So in that aspect, I'm really, really pleased. I am not a fan of the cartoon covers at all. I never have been. Um, but that's just a personal preference for me. Um, and because I buy print, it honestly means I buy fewer books. Uh, Mm. uh, I, I judge a book by its cover, you know, but I also, as I'm, as I'm writing more and I'm moving more toward romantic suspense and thrillers and maybe even horror, I'm playing around with some ideas. Um, yeah. Um, that it, it, it helps, whatever's going on in the genre kind of helps me determine where I'm going in my, in my career. I like the grittier covers and stuff like that. So that's just a personal preference, but I think as long as what's going on in the industry is benefiting the industry and benefiting the writers in particular, um, I think, yeah, I feel pretty good about where we are right now.
1: Yeah. And you know what I have to say, I 1000% agree um, that that, um, making sure that there is representation in the Rome in romance novels, um, not just in novels, but with the, the people who write them is huge, huge. And, um, I agree with that. I think, and, you know, and I, I am actually, I I read kind of a lot of different genres, but, um, I feel like, although romance is obviously where I spend most of my time, but, um, I don't know that I know of other genres that are actively trying to do that and are actively mm-hmm. promoting, you know, very true the, yeah. LGBTQ, the authors of color. You know, like I'm, I'm not sure that there's there's an another genre out there doing that. I could be completely wrong.
2: No, and I agree. I,
1: can, I know, agree too.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I re- I yeah. read a lot of cozy mysteries too, and I'm like, I don't feel like maybe I just don't pay enough attention, but I'm like, I don't feel like the cozy mystery genre celebrates diversity and inclusion as much as yeah. romance does. You know, like I honestly yeah. know probably, on, I can count on one hand how many authors of color I know that write cozy mysteries. And again, yeah, that just yeah. may, because I'm, I'm not paying that much attention, but it's like, yeah, I, I, it's just not screamed about. I feel like as much um, romantic suspense wise, what is the draw? What do you two love about writing it? And as time mm-hmm. progresses, I have a I have an idea like that that it may get, I don't want to say easier to write the bad guys, cause technology, like I just feel like the world is y'all's oyster. But can you talk about the enjoyment of like writing romance but that dark twisted twist to it?
2: I have found the more romantic suspense that I write, the more I enjoy um, hurting people for one of a better term. It is so cathartic to, I mean, well, and, and with category, and this is one thing with category romantic suspense is that uh, you have to be very careful with the language that you use and how dark you go and how cruel things can be. In that particular story, Um, I'm writing both for category for, I mean, I'm obviously writing Harlequin Romantic Suspense, but I've also been lucky enough to write for a small press the last couple of years where I am writing single title Romantic Suspense, where my editor literally said, write whatever you want. And oh my God, I did not realize just how much I needed to purge um, (laughs) the level of evil that apparently I can trap into it it's exhilarating because I like I said I guess I didn't realize it was inside of me I needed a way to get out but um you know I am not a romantic comedy movie girl I am an action adrenaline rush psychological thriller movie person so I like that rush of excitement and the unknown and unraveling a mystery all at the same time and throwing a romance into that where it complicates the issue because you know what when you're being chased by a serial killer finding the time for sexy time really isn't that easy and it isn't that practical but the intensity (laughs) of it uh, just kind of keeps you riding on that roller coaster I'll give an example so I remember 19 it must have been 1984 seeing terminator for the first time and this is the original terminator that launched arnold schwarzenegger's linda hamilton and it's michael bean who i never understood why he didn't become more of a star than he is he was my first romantic crush hero action hero wise right he was in that and he was in aliens and um the rock and he's done a bunch of other stuff but in the terminator that love scene between Linda Hamilton and Michael Bean when they're being chased down by the Terminator and they have that hotel room. And that was an absolute aha moment for me. And I, I can remember exactly where I was when I saw that movie. And, you know, all my friends sitting around me are all giggling and oh, they're having sex or whatever. And I'm just thinking this is such a great story. because <laughs> It's just, it was everything in that story. You know, it was suspense and action and fear and terror and And um, what's going to happen next? And it really kind of set the bar for action movies that came afterwards, right? But for me, the core of that story was the relationship between those two characters and the fact, you know, he dies at the end. Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen Terminator. Um, And then she ends up pregnant at the end and she's going off to save humanity, right? So to me, I think that was probably the start of my obsession with romantic suspense because it's interspersing that ro- that relate that growing relationship with dangerous and intense situations that most of us are never going to find ourselves in, right? So it's also the fantasy of it, and um, so yeah, that's that's really what draws me to it, and it's cathartic.
1: <laughs> what yes. about you, Jen? I've always been a romantic suspense novel fan like that. That is, that's what I gravitate towards. And I started out my career writing um, historical romance, in fact, and they had an awful lot. They were gladiator romances. So Mm -hmm. there was an awful lot of that um, action for sure. And a little bit of the adventure in it and, and hopefully a lot of, you know, um, uh, adrenaline pumping kind of scenes in there. And um, I, I liked the, I, and, and I love holiday romances. And I liked the idea of writing a romantic suspense set at Christmas. And I happened to be at an RWA conference in New Jersey and um, had, had talked to my current editor at Harlequin before at a different conference. And, um, and I said, you know, hi, how are you? Do you remember me? And, you know, she was, whether she remembered me or not, she was sweet enough to say she remembered me. And I said, "Um, I have an idea for another book. And it's, and I, she was nice enough to sit down with me and like, talk about like, not just my my very loose idea, but like what exactly would work and, and what Harlequin expectations would be And it ended up being my first Harlequin novel. But um, I do love the action adventure. Um, I do love also writing the bad guy. Like Mm -hmm. they're so complicated. And then, and and here's what I actually like about writing the bad guy is the bad guy never views himself Mm -hmm. or herself as the villain, right? Like what they're doing makes sense to them. They're doing it for a reason, they might not have a lot of scruples about the fact that they're hurting other people, but like, there's something that they want to accomplish. And, you know, and, and it it might be cruel, it might be twisted to everybody else, it, it definitely will hurt people. But, you know, they have their own motivations. And yeah. I do find mm-hmm. that just fascinating to sit down and sort of think through. And, um, And then, like I said, my husband's an FBI agent. So doing the federal law enforcement, um, you know, came very easily. We've been married for 27 years. So he was an agent for a few years before we met. And, um, you know, so that's been part of our relationship the whole way through. And then I get to do fun stuff. And I swear to God, I'm not making this up. I call him at one point when I was writing the book that came out. And, um, no, it comes out in January. So the book that comes out in January and I said, what's the back of a police car really look like? You know, I've seen it in movies or whatever, but I've never been in one. And I'm like, do they have that mesh between the front seat and the back seat? Is it flexing <laughs> with mm-hmm. like, what, like, what's it really like? And he tells me, first of all, it's either one, like both, both are actually accurate. And, um, and so I could do whatever I wanted to that made it better for my story. So I put the mesh because they hand things back and forth to each other. And he's like, do you need anything else? And I'm like, yeah, milk and bread, you know, pick it up on your way home. <laughs> and so it became you know, very easy. And then uh, my husband t- doesn't tend to read, or my husband doesn't read my books. But um, But there are definitely times where I'm like, Okay, let me read this to you, or here are these pages. Does this make sense? Is this how it would go? Mm-hmm. And you know, like I'm writing fiction. So there it might be like, you know, tweak this, that would never happen. But for the most part, you know, it's plausible. And I'm like, okay, plausible is good, you know, like as as long as it's in the realm of possibility, yeah, and it could happen. I'll go with it. But some, but sometimes you need, you know, you need things to be a little bit more exciting because of that conflict. Right. Nobody wants to read a book about somebody sitting around and filling out reports. So, um, you know, and, and, and like my husband being an FBI big cases, one person would investigate one thing. They'd fill out a report, send it to somebody else who's closer location wise to another Mm -hmm. thing and, and, And then that's how the investigation gets built. And a lot of times, like, you know, my one character is doing all of the things, Mm -hmm. although never filling out a report, because, again, those are boring. But, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think um, the other thing for me is when I I went through a huge true crime phase, where because you didn't have true crime cable channels. When I was growing up, they, you had the true crime section of the bookstore. Mm-hmm. So, because this is before the internet. And, um, I remember reading, um, John Douglas's mind hunter, which is, oh yeah, book, which is the book that they based the TV series on and romantic suspense fans. If you have not watched mind hunter, get your butts on M- uh, Netflix right now and watch those two seasons. Sadly, they aren't getting a third one, which just makes me so mad. But it's based on a book written by John Douglas, and John Douglas actually started the profiling program at the FBI, oh,
0: wow. and
2: and it's a fascinating uh, look back at those days. And it really started because of the Atlanta child murders that oh, were taking my gosh, place. Yeah, and and it was and also in that book, um, I read. I was reading this book when actually right when I graduated from college because my best friend and I were taking a three week trip to England to celebrate me actually graduating. And I didn't have, a there were no Kindles at that time. So I was loading in the books and that was one of the books I was reading and we ended up passing it around the bus, the tour bus, because people were running out of <laughs> stuff fun. to read. And I'm like, well, I just finished this true crime book here. Read this. yeah But it's that kind of research. And, and, and I actually almost went into profiling because I was so fat and that follows my pattern of when I was in college, you know, I would change majors depending on what heroine of what story I was reading, <laughs> you know, Okay Scarpetta made me want to be a, a criminal, you know, a, a coroner. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a med school. So that took that out of the picture. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I think that's, that's one reason I gravitate toward and the, the reviews that I'm getting on my uh, uh, Circle of the Red Lily series, which Exposed is out now and Vanish comes out in a couple of weeks. It's, it's a love letter to those kinds of research things that I get to do, you know, secret societies and FBI agents. And um, it also gives me the opportunity, you know, I don't I don't have an FBI husband, Jen. So oh. if you could put <laughs> yours on speed dial for me, I might yes,
1: be calling you. Call um, call yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But
2: here's the benefit of being a part of a great community of writers is I tend to email my friend, Allison Brennan, who writes amazing thrillers and she primarily writes about the FBI. So I'm like, okay, so for this third book that I'm going to be starting, I have a hero who I need to have been an FBI agent at one point, he now works as a consultant, but in what capacity would he be brought in to work on a specific case kind of thing? So we go back and forth on that for a little bit until I find something like you said, Jen is plausible, maybe not like absolutely what would happen, but at least it would be plausible. And then you fit it into the story that you're creating. So, um, Having an excuse to watch something like Mind Hunter or to read different true crime books like Ann Rule used to write and uh, dissecting the criminal mind and what's behind those motivations, which I'm so glad you mentioned that, Jen, because I gave yeah. a whole workshop actually on motivation for, writer, for writers for digging deep on motivation, and it's especially important for villains, because it's not just enough for them to be evil. There, have, there has to be a reason why they're doing what they're doing. And um, otherwise, it's just lazy, right? You want layers to those villains, and being able to research into all kinds of stuff and hope that the FBI isn't actually monitoring your search engine. Yeah. Um <laughs> Cause that comes in a lot. I worry, I have to put out disclaimers on social media just in case, just That's researching so a new book. I'm really not planning on, you know, blowing up Echo Park in Los Angeles, but you know, whatever. <laughs> so it's, it's writing romantic suspense for me really fills all of those interests that I have as, as a consumer of media products. Um, and it gives me that outlet and it's just so fun. Cause you get to create it and you get to what, you know you get to decide what happens it's awesome
0: well i'm glad that y'all touched on that cuz my next my next question was like the ideas like how do they come to you is it you spiraling down a certain rabbit hole spending an entire mm-hmm. saturday binging something like i just imagine you all as romantic suspense writers like being in the grocery store and like stopping with your buggy and being like I wonder if this guy is stealing something or he's the head of a drug gang, you know, like how does it, how does it typically happen? Cause like Anna, you described one of yours. It's like, I just started, just started watching blue bloods cause it comes on up TV mm. and it's like, were you watching that show? Like, rewatching watching it? And like, Hmm, I wonder if anybody's ever done a romance novel series with this and this and all of a sudden the idea comes to you. Like, how does it cause I'm like, how do romantic suspense writers sleep at night <laughs> when they have like this <laughs> this like kind of dark and twisted side, but it's also gonna be some romance and a happy ever after, but like that dark and twisted side is there. Um, how do they come to you or like what's the most random way that an idea for one of these books has come to you guys? Oh
1: so gosh. the series I'm working on currently, like I said, has a um a serial killer who's a, a descendant of Jack the Ripper. and then he he wants to be the most famous serial killer of all time. And um which does bring in like all the media stuff, right? So he um, but that idea actually came to me um, driving to the last conference, or well, I guess RWAs had other conferences. But in 2019, like the bat, the last big, big RWA conference was in New York City. I live in upstate New York. I rode up to, to the conference with two friends who are local. And um, one of them said something to the effect, like we start talking, we're just chatting. And one of them says, you know, um, they, they were able to do DNA and they figured out who Jack the Ripper is. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's fascinating. I like it. And then I guess as a kid, like I loved to be scared and Jack the Ripper terrified me, but in the best way. Right. Um, So I I was like, oh, my gosh, that's fascinating. And then it just so happened that that evening I was meeting my. Editor at Harlequin, and um, we were having drinks, and I said, "Did you know they used DNA to figure out who Jack the Ripper was?" And she's like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't." And I'm like, "I said I sh- I want to write something about that," and she's like, "Oh, you should." And then we kind of brainstormed some things that could be done, and I wrapped up the last series that I had written, and or I was in the in the middle of writing, and then I started on this one, and. Um, yeah. So, you know, just little things come to you and there is that like, you know, press that idea to your chest moment. Like, oh, this mm. is it. This is something I can work with. So that's how that happened for me.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: I,
2: you know, I don't think there's any one place. we I get ideas from everywhere. So uh, you just wanted to know about one. And as I was making notes as as Jen was telling her story, which, oh my God, the whole Jack the Ripper thing. I could talk to you forever about Jack the Ripper because I oh, have such right. an obsession yeah. with him. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Anyway, um, digress. That's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> but um, my, like say for Vanished, or no, Exposed, the first book in my Red Lily series, that literally came about, I knew I wanted to write something about old Hollywood because that's always been an interest and an obsession with mine of mine. I have the same birthday as Marilyn Monroe and growing up to me, that was always just so awesome. Although it means absolutely nothing. But, um, you know, I read tons of biographies about the old Hollywood studio system and all that kind of stuff. So when my small press editor said, what do you want to write? I'm like, um well i have this idea for an old hollywood she says great i want it i'm like okay so i need an idea so i'm watching an episode <laughs> and so i'm like okay sure i'll come up with something so um my mother and i were in the middle of re-watching uh white collar which is one of my all-time favorite oh, yeah. shows and um there is an episode where um willie Garson's character mozzie uh, is buying an old storage unit because, you know, it's a thing that people do where they auction off uh, abandoned storage units and then people come in, bid on them and buy them. And then they sell off all the junk that's in there. So he bids on this old storage unit and it's filled with photography equipment. And as we're watching this episode, all of a sudden this idea in my head just starts clicking and I'm like, what would you find in yeah in a storage unit like that, that could set off an event that could, you know, launch a series. Cause that was the other thing she says, I want at least three to five books. And I'm like, okay, so I need something <laughs> that's going to sustain it for that long. And that's where I came up with the idea of she comes across, I, that's how she, be, my heroine becomes a photographer. And her side hobby Ooh. is she collects old film that has never been developed.
1: So Ooh. she has
2: contacts. She's a paparazzi working in Hollywood. That's how she makes. That's how she makes her money. She hates the job, but her side thing is this hobby of you know developing film that was completely lost and forgotten. And when she comes across uh, this canister of film, which sidebar I got to do a ton of research as you how you actually develop film, you know film that we used to get out of a camera rather than just yeah. a cell phone <laughs> yeah. picture. And she, uh, she, as I'm writing this out and coming up with ideas, I'm like, oh, it's photographic evidence of a murder conviction that apparently was wrong because the evidence she's looking at contradicts everything that was in the case. Right. So that's fascinating. And it's a case that goes back, you know, I think it goes back, what is it like 20 years? So who's the, and she has issues with the police from things that she's witnessed. So who's the worst person for her to fall in love with a cop, especially a cop whose father might've worked that original case. And that father is now a police commissioner. So that's literally where that idea came from was watching Mozzie step into that storage unit. And that story went off in one direction and my brain went off in a completely different one. And that's how the circle of the Lily was born.
1: Wow. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah so now and I've got that conflict, right? That conflict yes. you were talking about. Awesome. Yeah. And it
2: builds, you know, Love and it's it. going to be, and it's going to be five books and we meet all of the, all of the heroines in the first book. And then book two, I had a lot of times these ideas come when you have questions that you want to know the answers to. So for the second book, I knew I wanted to write about a twin and uh, her sister went missing eight years before. So what's the best way to do that? You tie it into the disappearances that they uncover from book one. So that they each start building on each other and they each answer a different question that I might not know the answer to, but that I'm interested in investigating and figuring out myself and then working it into a story.
0: Disappearances is like my favorite, like, like. I will digest all of that in true crime. And mm-hmm. I don't know what it is cuz it scares the heck out of me. The fact mm-hmm. that people just kind of like walk off the face of the earth. Yeah. Oh, I love it <laughs> so much. Oh, I don't yeah.
1: know. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying but only in the best of ways. Yes. Right?
0: <laughs>
2: exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it's like back in the day like unsolved mysteries <laughs> there was a lot of it yeah. on there or what, but Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it is like my favorite true crime to like what happened to these people? I, I love that. I love that so much. Um, as far as like the, the category, the Harlequins, do your editors kind of keep you all up to date with like what readers are wanting or the direction the line is going? Like where is the romantic suspense line? Like what can readers kind of expect from it coming up? Like, are there certain mm-hmm. tropes? Are there certain tropes that you feel like readers for your romantic suspense with harlequins, just like really crave more than others? Or for any aspiring writers, would you say there are certain tropes that just work really well when it comes to romantic suspense?
2: Dogs. Reader likes readers like dogs. Okay.
1: Oh,
2: true. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Put a dog. A dog in the book. The other thing is um, Western settings. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, like Texas, Wyoming, Colorado, um, Idaho, those kind of things. Um, I particularly like a second chance romance. And one of the reasons I like it is my books tend to be very condensed. So it might Mm -hmm. the, the whole story might just honestly take place over like three or four days and it's kind of hard to be like oh they're truly in love and After they just met <laughs> yeah right yeah. Like, yeah how does that work but if if they you know knew each other three years before 20 years before and then they they're shoved into this you know crime and this investigation that they have to um to work through together then, um, then I think it's a little bit more plausible to be, um, you know, yeah, like we, like we had this prior relationship, and for whatever reason it didn't work out, mm-hmm. but now we're back together again, kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, yeah. yeah, and I love a secret baby. I'm not sure that's, um, I'm not sure that necessarily works into a um, romantic suspense well, but it's just one of my favorites. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I second, I second the whole... Um, uh, for my Honor Brown series, the first... It was actually only supposed to be three books. And then all of these secondary characters kept popping up. But it was um, the first book, which is more than a lawman. It's a Friends to Lovers. And um, she's a, a crime blogger vigilante, where she doesn't have any faith in the police. So she investigates cold cases that she believes the police have forgotten about and of course she's going to fall in love with the cop because you know conflict and um (laughs) they were friends and yes at one point he saw her in a different way but it isn't until she's actually in jeopardy that things start clicking and going on but having that history coming into the story makes writing that kind of relationship so much easier because you can really put the emphasis on the external plot because the internal relationship between them is, is kind of almost going to go naturally. Um, And in the second book in that series, actually, it was a second chance because um, how, and I think, Jen, you hit it right on the head is how do you intersperse that whole danger element and not, I call it the speed syndrome, you know, by the end time you get to the, end of speed with sandra bullock and keanu reeves all the oh, adrenaline yeah. all the adrenaline has really pushed them together what got guess what happens in speed two they're no longer together let's yeah. forget about what that movie actually was but <laughs> it's that it's it's un, in a lot of ways it's unsustainable so it's a balancing act when you're creating that relationship that's taking place within a really significant amount of danger um but yeah, with with the honor bound series, I had a lot of reunions, a lot of friends to lovers, and I tend to gravitate toward that a lot. But as far as the, it's funny, I I wrote one of the Coltons of Owl Creek too, so I'm book oh, eight, yeah, yeah. I'm book eight in that series, Jen, and um, I write, I'm a California girl, I write big cities, and I have found. All, all of my honor bound series are really primarily set in the area I live in, which is Sacramento, Northern California. Oh, um, perfect. and when I, when I have to write a Colton book, I always have to do research because I've never lived in Colorado. I don't know what any of those are, <laughs> but, um, you asked what, what readers are looking for. Readers will buy those Colton books like oh. they're drugs. Seriously. Yeah. They are my best selling yeah. books. They are the Mine books too. that earn out the fastest. And I was so thrilled when I was asked to participate in the series. Cause it's one of those series where Harlequin comes to you, you don't go to them. So, um, uh, yeah. I mean, if you're asked to participate in the and it's just like, yeah. yes, what do I do? <laughs> um, but I think as far as readers, I think dogs, animals are always really good. Um, uh, I haven't written a whole lot of children in jeopardy, uh, Mainly because it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it, I hate when I'm watching I, in fact, I had this happen actually with Miss Marvel. I watched the Marvels yesterday, and uh, uh I can't remember the cat's name, uh Goose. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm I'm watching the cat and I'm like if I have to spend this movie worried about the cat I'm going to be really mad which of <laughs> course of course you don't have to worry about goose because goose can take care of himself but it's just the idea I had that same problem with the lethal weapon movies when he had that dog I spent the entire time worried about the dog yeah and I who's ne- going to
1: come and see the dog yeah.
2: exactly so I never want my readers to worry about animals or children that said when you add animals and children it amps up that tension. Yeah. so yeah. much. So, uh, anybody out there who picks up any of my books, if there is a child or there is an animal of any kind in any of my stories, you never have to worry. They will never be killed.
0: Can you explain the, for, you know, if it's I, somebody they've never picked up a category, they haven't picked up a romantic suspense. The Colton's is a big deal in the world of Harlequin romantic suspense and it's a continuity. Can you explain that?
1: So sure, they, um, 12 books, usually, I've, I've done a continuity with six, mm-hmm. but um, each book is written by a different author. We're given, um, Harlequin does, like Anna said, that Harlequin comes to you. They have um, an idea of how the entire 12 book series is going to be released or how it's going to work. You're given a basic outline of what what needs to happen in the book, and then you can you know you can make it your own story and 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 there's you know things you can can tweak so that it works for you, um, and you but but all of these Coltons are somehow related, like the Owl mm-hmm. Creek uh, books. I think it's um, it's five siblings. Let's see, five or six siblings.
2: Yeah, six and six, I think. Well,
1: it, well, the I I did book eleven and the last two are the um the mom of the that is um Jenny's twin. So oh, it's that's Jesse. Right. That's and right. then the is it Robert? Cause he was he died. The right. dad who dies very early on in the series. So we get a they, whole Bible. I just love how we
0: talk <laughs> about these. Like they are real people. Sometimes yeah, yeah. I forget like so we are
1: talking about characters yeah. in a book. Well, yeah. So, anyways, it's between so it's a a pair of sisters in this continuity in particular, pair of twin sisters marry brothers. Mm-hmm. And um one sister abandons her children. And leaves town, never really to interact with her family, or, or very rarely. And then the the bro, the other brother leaves his family temporarily and goes to Boise, Idaho, where they have two more children. And so I wrote that one of the daughters of the that you know two children from the the other ones. So every, so there's cousins there's siblings and cousins and then but my two character or my character is the sibling of every single person there mm-hmm. in this co- in this Colton group and um and she she didn't know that they existed until after her um father passes away she didn't know that, that her her mom had other kids she didn't know her dad had other kids and Um, and every, yeah. So, so anyways, but they're, they're all, all these people are somehow related and every single person writes a different book and, um, and it builds until, you know, the, the very last book, the, the big bad guy gets caught and it brought to justice. And, um, and so so if you read the first book that character might show up in the 7th book he might show up in the 8th mm-hmm. book and um and yeah yeah what's so what's really
2: what's really cool about the way that they present it to us is they give us this bible and there's an over there's like a summary of everything kind of like a backstory of stuff this is how we got here and then it picks up with book 1 and everything that they've mapped out what happens in book one. And then they give you at the bottom, they said, these are the threads that you need to connect to either the book that came before or the book Mm -hmm. that comes Mm -hmm. after. So it's kind of like a little checklist. But the Coltons in general are about family. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. And I think that's one reason why I've always enjoyed the books is because that's what my books are always about. It's family found or it's family you're born to. And the Coltons are always all about family. And what I liked about this particular new, new incarnation of the Coltons of Owl Creek is that this was so out of the box from anything I'd read with the Coltons before. Um, and the, the, the external plot that they created with how this family works and relates to one another is so, it's really different, I think, than any of the other Colton series. Oh, yeah. Helped. And they've been doing this Colton series for like a decade it's been yeah, going on for a, a long, long time. time. And um, you're, you're actually uh, given character. Uh, it's like you get a dossier, right? Where you they've even picked out the picture of what your character looks like.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: Um, yeah. yeah
1: so, <laughs> uh, pictures of
2: houses. It's great. Yeah, it's it's, it's, re- it's a really fun project to write. And I think this is my third Colton book. And I have fun writing these. Um, the only time I have issues and I've had to email the editor who's overseeing it is, um, in my particular one, she had, um, they have my heroine going out on a blind date and it's a disaster. And the hero is there because he's actually surveilling the guy she's on a date with. So that tells you right oh, well. away, it's not going to go well. And, um, the original idea was that her date was shot and killed because he owed money to a loan shark. And I'm like, I had to email the editor and I'm like, loan sharks don't kill people because dead people don't pay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's that kind of, so it's that kind of back and forth with the editor. I'm like, okay, this is, this is something I'm going to be tweaking. So, cause you never know whether or not it's something that's stuck in their head and that they're really going to remember that they put this in the, in the synopsis for the story. So I always like to be kind of upfront. Now that said in one of the other Colton's I wrote, um, my heroine had amnesia and they uh, wanted her name to be Jane. And I'm just like, can we give her a different name? Because that's oh, so just Jane Doe. Jane Doe. She's Doe. Not Jane Doe. Yeah. And they're all like, no, we want her name to be Jane. And I'm like, okay. So I made it a joke, you know, when, um, when it came up and he was all like, I'm not sure what to call you. And she goes, well, why don't you just call me Jane? You know? <laughs> so I just, I kind of just flipped it and like, I'm in on the joke. I know that Jane is the typical thing for Jane Doe. Yeah. Let's just be open with it. Um, And it actually worked out a little bit better, but, but also each Colton book stands on its own. Yeah. There might, there might be a thread of an element that you're like, okay, now I'm going to have to go back and read the other stories, which is kind of what the point is. Um, But they do each stand on their own because each story is a complete romance between that hero and that heroine. So, um, I guess really important for people to when they hear Colton and they hear that it's been going on for 10 years and there's 12 books in this series don't be intimidated like, no, yeah do yeah, not you don't have be, to be intimidated
1: 120 books no that.
2: and and, and to, i can't believe none of us have ever run into a Colton because they're everywhere apparently
1: <laughs> Yeah. But, <laughs> they're all um, over the place. yeah, they're all over the place i literally but,
0: um, need to get on ebay and see if i can buy a- somebody has to be selling the entire series
1: they probably <laughs> oh, are yeah great. let us know if you get I it that would be
0: nice. <laughs> i really <laughs> want to see that now
2: <laughs> yeah but they all do stand on their own so you never have to worry about um if you're going to be completely lost or not because there's always a quick way to catch up And and we write them specifically to stand on their own. There are only a few little threads here and there that thread everything together.
0: So I have a couple of like quick questions I want to ask you before we get off here. So bigger city, small town, which one do you prefer? You know, or perfect world do you think would be, um, would you, do you enjoy setting your, your suspense in?
1: So I think Anna and I are opposite on this. I love the small town. I love small town. I love rural America. I think it gives you, especially with like, you know, the serial killers out there somewhere. If you're, you know, if you're miles from anybody, that, that adds a little bit of um, a danger element. And Anna, you said you love writing in the you know northern california city you know metropolitan areas correct
2: yeah i like writing big cities uh, i think it's interesting cuz you're talking about when you're writing small towns there's nowhere to hide when yeah. you right when you're writing a big city there's everywhere to hide. Yeah. And I think Ooh, that right. presents a completely different dichotomy. Um, my a Red Lily series takes place in Los Angeles. It takes place in Hollywood, the center of Hollywood. It's about mm-hmm. Hollywood studios and Hollywood landmarks in Los Angeles. And Honor Bound is in Sacramento. I, But for my heartwarmings, I always write small town because that's what heartwarming is all about. But when I have to write a small town in a romantic suspense, I actually start to panic because I'm like... Mm-hmm what is there to do in a small (laughs) town that will allow for the plot to continue? So it's a little bit more of a challenge.
0: Yeah. With big city, it's almost like it's expected, right? Like you live in a city, there's crime. And I think small towns, people want to believe nobody would do that here. And I I just think that they both have these like amazing qualities that lend themselves so well to writing romantic suspense, I would think.
2: Well, yeah. Yeah. And with a small town, I mean, when those big crimes happen in the small town, they're so much more impactful because everybody's impacted. But when something, you know, the same crime could happen in Sacramento or in Los Angeles, and it's like barely a blip on the radar. Yeah. Like uh, another
0: one of those. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
2: exactly. (laughs)
0: So, Um, For both of you, what is your like favorite true crime to consume? Like I said, mine is like people disappearing. What is yours?
1: Hmm. <laughs> so I, I do. I do find serial killers fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But right. So like if there's like, you, and you know with John Wayne Gacy uh, documentary on, or, or when they're, um, oh, the one guy from the seventies shoot Ted Bundy. I, oh, yeah. I can't believe I forgot his name. Hmm. Like there were, there was a, a documentary about him and then, the one where Zach Efron played him. I think that was on Netflix a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I found fa- I found all of that fascinating. Yeah.
2: Um, well, Jed Corner of the Market on Jack the Ripper. I had such an obsession with Jack the Ripper for a number yeah, isn't of it years. Fascinating? It really is. Um I I think rather than and serial killers in general, I think it's the psychology behind the examination of these kinds of people, like like the John Douglas book, Mindhunter, that I mentioned. I like the, uh, Criminal Minds is one of my absolute favorite shows. And it's not because I like watching what the killer is doing. I like watching how the profiling is being done. And mm-hmm. I like the unpuzzling of it. So cold cases for me are catnip. I love cold cases. Um, yeah, one of my favorite shows. In fact, we're watching it, rewatching it now. It's a British show called New Tricks, and it uh, it's kind of a dramedy, uh, as the Brits do so well. But it de- deals specifically with cold cases. So, um, and I tend to now that I think about it, my honor bound series all started with a cold case. The Red Lily series is a cold case, and they're all coming back to life. So, I think for me, it's it's cold cases, and it's um, bringing justice and getting answers for people who think they're never going to get them.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love cold yeah. cases too. I love seeing um, one the the show that I've been watching, it's called disappeared. And a lot of them are cold cases, oh, but it's just seeing here, yeah. seeing the law enforcement say like some of these cases are decades old and it just, sometimes it takes that fresh face and new technology that finally solves it, you know? And it's like, right. wow, like all it took was this,
2: <laughs> you know, to- or, or yeah. one person asking just the right question. just The right question. You know? Yeah. There was that, that was that case lately. And, uh, where Patton Oswald's late wife had started an investigation into a string of uh, killings here in Northern California. I, I didn't read the book just because I didn't have time to i don't think but okay. um because his wife started reopening the case it got the ball rolling and it got the re- investigation reopened and they actually did find the guy wow so um oh, yeah you yeah. know things like that it, it also renews your hope in the world that yes yeah maybe
1: things actually can be okay yeah. <laughs> yeah. once in a or while they, like, they finally found the gilgo beach murder, right yeah
0: do you all yeah. have a case like i uh Uh, one of my favorite shows is called history's greatest mysteries. And they did one. Lawrence Fishburne is the host and he does fantastic. Um, But one of the recent one, one of they, they did this last season was on the black Dahlia. And I was like, I hope they get justice for her. Like it's been forever, but I still have hope that they
2: figure it out. Catherine short that I actually refer to that in my red lily books, because that was another element of, um, uh of the hollywood history and the los angeles history i wanted to bring in that was another one uh leonard elmore wrote a great book Black dahlia which was a fictionalized version they turned it into a movie that that was was awesome the movie was horrible but the book was fabulous Mm -hmm. it's that la confidential kind of feel to it uh but yeah black dahlia i forgot about that that's one of my favorite cold cases yeah. If you can have one, that sounds so strange to say. I know it does. I have, a fa- I have a favorite cold case, case, to you? You know, case. The, the
0: case that you're like holding out hope for, like before I die, can somebody solve this? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, uh, Jen, let's start with you. Where can everyone keep yes. up with you online?
1: So I have a website, uh, Jen Bogle, dot com. I'm on um, X at... At Jen Bogle and Instagram, um, Jennifer.D.Bogle, and then Jennifer Bogle on Facebook.
0: Okay. And yeah. Anna, what about you?
2: Uh, my website is author Anna Stewart with a T dot com. Uh, you can find all my social media links there. Um, I'm primarily on Facebook and Instagram. I'm trying to get better at Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at your own risk. Um, if you're still there. I refuse to call it X. I can't do it. Oh. <laughs> it's it's still Twitter to me. I'm sorry. Twitter Twitter to you. I, I am a rebel. But um so yeah, website is the best place to find everything. Well, thank you
0: so much, ladies, for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thank you. This was lovely. <laughs> thank you for having us.